both of us have been highly influenced by Scott Rogo's work and oh, yeah. and some of the parapsychologists of the 1980s and, mm-hmm. and early 90s were where they were exploring a number of facets. So they were looking into things like near-death experiences or yeah. ghostly sightings or psychic phenomena. Yeah. And one thing that they looked into as well was something called cellular memory, I think yeah. it's called. And the whole idea about this is, and some of you out there will have heard of these stories, where somebody's had a, a transplant of some kind, a heart transplant or a lung transplant, etc. And their personalities have changed or they've suddenly been able to start talking Chinese or a language that they're not particularly known of, but are able to completely their personality changes slightly. But also as well as they're able to have the skills of the person who donated their uh, lungs, heart or any other transplant. And it's a really interesting phenomenon because obviously we see our body as as kind of literally that just a carrier of our soul in a way we don't see that there's any sort of connection between any of our body parts and the possibility that it could carry our memory or personality traits and I mean obviously there's a lot of studies in into this and and one of the things that people one of the regular percentages that are out there that six percent of people who have a transplant also they six percent believe that their personality has changed or their mindset has changed because of the transplant yeah i mean i would you know playing the devil's advocate i would argue having a second chance of life you know for instance they have a heart and lung transplant and then or you know whether it's they only have one kidney and somebody comes along you know sad circumstances but they get a a kidney that gives them a new fresh life are they sort of thinking well life is for the living i'll do things i've not done before so that is one argument maybe a skeptical side but it doesn't preclude from the six percent i know it's only a, a small percentage and there's got to be something in it because it's a however small it is still there you know and it is still looked at you know largely as pseudoscience you know as in the scientific community and not necessarily taking it seriously as perhaps that they could and maybe that is one thing where maybe they could push into it you know like I say memories you know when you were excuse me when you look at the cells in the body when you look at cellular memory there was a uh, study done you know where this gentleman I'd have to find the details I'm sorry I'll have to put them in a in a uh, document maybe and put them on the Centre 2 Facebook page for you to have a better look into it you know if you want to go there via Facebook obviously. A uh, scientist undertook a uh, study on people who passed away and tried to get the age of the various cells within the uh, body because there's a lot of false information you know oh the your body is totally replaced every seven to ten years which is not factual more you know the neurons you know the ones that, that are in the brain they spark over they carry out the processes through the cerebral cortex and and the uh, gray matter they go over towards the brain stem the motor neurons and these as old as the human organ you know as the human body so they don't get replaced whereas the epilithial cells those the lining of the of the your stomach you call it the intestines which are undergoing a barrage every single day you know imagine all that acid going into your stomach and they are getting replaced on a daily but on your daily basis he did it similar to carbon dating you know and bones he was saying here on average bones replaced approximately every 15 years you know and of course the, the the whole process is as we ourselves age 
then that whole process slows down. So maybe in an average lifetime, we might have two or three new skeletons, you know what I mean? And the cells of a person are roughly about 10 years, you know, maybe once a year, decade. But I found it fascinating, you know, because we all put down that, you know, what we all believe, I do feel, um, without research, of course, that, that the memory is only limited to the brain, you know, the neurons, you know, where really muscle memory, typing, driving a car, doing things that you normally do in the subconscious way, are linked over to muscle memory and cell memory. They put it down to what is termed as implicit, which is an unconscious memory, you know, priming procedural is doing the sort of the motor cortex, you know, where you just do things and that is muscle memory. If you've if you've been to the gym and you and you train regular, then you have say six or seven months or a couple of years off, you go back, your mem you know, your body remembers those movements, you know. And then yeah. priming sorry, the, the your priming is very much a case of word associations, things that we learn through life, you know, how to do A and B, you know, how to, you know, those English things, what uh, what word goes with, you know, hand, glove, it's those type of things. I find yeah. it fascinating in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, also as well as you need oil for your blooming chair. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, I mean, one of the cases I read about was about a young man who, had cystic fibrosis and he always knew that he had to have a he was going to have end up with a new liver went to cambridge Addenbrooke hospital had the liver transplant and he came around after the nine hour operation and he fairly normal and then suddenly he started shouting a long list of sort of swear words and describing the pain swearing left right and center and he said he actually told um, a researcher that he'd never ever sworn before because his mum has always said, look, you've got to have good memory, um, manners. You've got to, you know, kind of always be a gentleman rather than, yeah. you know, yeah. kind of that. But uh, so they assumed it was, you know, sort of painkillers and all that sort of thing. And then near enough, every single word after that, he started swearing again. He he still has this problem mm-hmm. where every now and again, he keeps, uh, you know, kind of swearing in, you know, kind of. Yeah. He said he never swore before and never did that before had the new liver it came from an 18 year old girl he's keen to find out more about who that person was because he wonders if sort of personality trait from there so i mean that's pretty strange i think Uh, another gentleman he ended up having renal failure kidneys Uh, his kidneys he had to have them transplanted and from then started drinking bitter He, he could never drink it before i hated the taste hated that sort of thing hated taste of bitter or or beer and now he, he drinks it and he, he loves it, absolutely loves it. And and that seems to be a running theme that when people have their yeah. kidneys changed, there's a change in their taste. So, yeah, I mean, do you know of, of any sort of link where that changing your kidneys could react to your taste? Because, I, I mean, surely there's not any neurological link. Well, no, between um, but like I say, uh, you know, the your kidneys are the organ of getting rid of waste, you know, fluid waste to uh, balance the balance the blood, make it, you know, and it's associated with your heart. You know, if your blood pressure goes up, then it thins the, you know, the it takes more component out of the blood, you know, and therefore makes it easier for your heart to pump that blood. So, you know, it it sort of regulates the heart. It's linked in with that. But, you know, when the heart is sort of looked at as being, you know, a seat of feelings, emotions, you know, we all know that when we get that, when we go through grief or whatever, it really pulls on the heart. You know, you feel almost like a lump in your heart, don't you? 
like an ache rather than a lump and therefore you know is the feelings there you know from the very or the various organs of the body the hippocampus the amygdala you know that is known for feelings emotions and linked over to taste you know we that is why if somebody says oh apple pie with custard we can almost taste it and smell it you know mm. so is there that in because it's the endocrine system is that all linked up with hormones you know all the chemicals that react in a more of a subconscious way and have yeah. impact on organs you know could it be through that because people say you are what you eat you know so maybe it has some bearing maybe it is if somebody it'd be interested if there was a case whereby a person was vegan and then suddenly wanted to eat meat you know because the person given the organ would have been a person who who ate maybe a lot of red meat or whatever you know would that change it's, it's interesting you mentioned about heartache because my I was engaged for three years and we split up pretty badly. Within a day or so, I started getting heart pain, like an ache in there. And I found it strange. I went to the doctors because I'm a hypochondriac. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the doctor said, it's fine. Are you under stress? And he said, it's heartache. He said, it really is proper sort yeah. of, you know, your heart's broken sort of thing. And I thought, this is really strange. And obviously, this was pre-internet. And I, I've looked into it every now and again, and, and now it's becoming more recognised mm-hmm. that people do suffer from heartache. And it's not just about personal relationships. It can also be relatives passing yeah, and that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and you do have this thing where people suffer with a heartache can last anything from you know, sort of two weeks to a month. And it's very prevalent in men. And it's actually seen as, as it can actually be a killer as well, is people who suffer it sometimes do go on to heart attacks as well Well, so they yeah sorry martin they say you know passing with a broken heart don't they yeah absolutely and somebody i know she was female actually and and husband passed away and within a week she'd passed away but she'd been complaining that she'd had heartache ever since he passed away you could say it was the stress and or or, because she was elderly but um she did say she had heartache she'd heart was broken and and she died within a week and she died of um I think the a- aorta yeah. had, had torn. So it's interesting. It's it's kind of, to me, I, I think it's one of those things where I think because of probably Victorian, looking for the sort of Victorian ethics of where they were trying to find the soul and they were saying yeah. it, it was nested, you know, sort of in the pituitary gland or it was nested behind the neck. And, and what we've kind of done is kind of said that it, all the important bits are in your head and your soul's in your head and, and all that yeah. sort of stuff. When actually, if we look at the construct of our body, you know, inside of us, we've got the dust from the stars that are are billions of years old. We're made up of water that's existed since the beginning of the universe. We are, you know, kind of the universe. And and I come back again to this where I, I think it's one of those things where if the universe is consciousness, if we are all connected, if it is, if we can psychically communicate with each other, then surely, you know, this body that we have does carry our memories. And not to prolong this point, but interestingly is when I've done mindfulness lessons or mindfulness with people, I had one lady who, and I think I might have mentioned this before, where she constantly complained that she had tennis elbow. Okay. Mm -hmm. She suffered with it. First time I met her, she had her arm in a sling and she said, oh, I have tennis elbow. I said, oh, do you play tennis much? She said, I've never played it in my life. But the doctor keeps saying, I've got tennis elbow. So anyway, we, do, we did a series of sessions where we, I was teaching a meditation about acknowledging that 
you know sometimes we have thoughts and just I say yep yeah, it's there but I don't want to listen to it I don't I'm not being judgmental on myself mm-hmm. I accept it I move on I'm living in the now and we did this for six weeks and over that period of time her tennis elbow got better yeah and she now meditates every day 15 minutes to 20 minutes a day she doesn't have tennis elbow all the stress about a particular event that happened to her all built up and it manifested in a way that she thought she had tennis elbow and we do carry that pain we do i mean yeah. Oh, definitely. It has to be, you know, it, it, well, it has to be. That's a very good point you've made there, Martin. You know, does it reside in the, your physical body? You know, do we hold things, you know, is or is some of the illness that we have part of that sort of situation? Yeah, I, I mean, with that, I looked into this further and, and there are further experiences of where people had neck aches or had bad knees or stuff like that. Yeah. And through meditation, and you could say, well, OK, well, maybe meditation is working in that they're feeling more relaxed. But either way, two things are happening. Is Number one, the issue that's causing the stress has been addressed and dealt with non-judgmentally. Yeah. And secondly, it's then causing, and I believe stress to muscles cause them to swell and cause them to be painful. So it's helping in that respect as well. It's like what we were talking about last time where we were talking about, well, Reiki doesn't, but people say Reiki doesn't work because you don't get healing from it or anything like that. But actually, if you feel that you're relaxed, you're you're halfway there with, you know, kind of on the healing process is removing stressful situations around you. And, And I think this is why we can't rule out that, you know, some of our vital organs out there, our vital organs can actually maybe carry parts of our consciousness that we do yeah. store away parts of our consciousness well, unfortunately that young man got the swearing of the 18 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there are elements whereby you know the personality traits change markedly you know to uh, to an extent that as i say it's something that people wouldn't generally doing you know somebody who is sort of scared of heights suddenly want to go bungee jumping you're thinking and not in a million years you know what I mean so there's got to be something some credence in there and I do feel with people's consciousness raising you know they want to know more you know when you're looking at not having a go at people's religious beliefs but perhaps people want to know more and therefore they're sort of thinking out there and wanting their own answers and maybe this sort of situation where the memory is not just in the, your brain, as in, you know, the organs, is it in the body tissue or is it, you know, because obviously people don't get, I've not heard of cases with, or I've not come across cases where people have a change of behaviour because they've had skin graft or whatever, you know. So I think it's more to do with the organs, you know, particularly the lungs, the heart, the kidneys, the liver. I think they may well hold more sort of memories of uh, who we are and perhaps the sort of memories of the of the person who, in difficult circumstances, you know, their organ is available for transplant into somebody to give that that new that new year new lease of life. Then maybe the organ that is coming to them, the sort of memories are far stronger. Maybe the person has a more dominant personality, a stronger personality, uh, or oh, I've got it, you no, know, rather than oh, I'll do it uh, tomorrow attitude. You know, maybe that has a uh, place to play. I think also as well as before people start looking at the fear aspect of that. Oh, my God, if I ever ever have a kidney transplant, am I going to have the soul of, of the dead person? <laughs> kind yeah. of no, I don't drink think, beer. Yeah. No, don't force <laughs> it down me. No. I think it's a valid point, Martin. Because but, yeah, I, I think this is kind of retention within an organ rather than 
sort of spirit uh, intervention. It's like what I was saying about the tele- the tennis elbow, is that the memory had stored in her muscle into in, into her elbow. Now you could say, well, why did it go there or whatever? But you know, we store things all over our body. We store fat in places that we don't want to. I'm sure most of us out there are thinking, you know, why why does it store? You know, why have I got bingo wings or why have I got you know kind of love handles? The body stores water. It stores fat. You know, in water you you can store memory. You know, so well, yes. I mean, we are. You know, depending on which website you check, of course, but anywhere really from sixty to seventy-five percent or more made up of fluid you know the blood yeah. the liquid between the cells you know and then then the liquid within the cell you know because and um, that is obviously we uh, need water to uh, water to live as well as as well as oxygen obviously but you're looking at everything in there as being fluid based with one biomechanical electrical organism you know that needs water it's a fascinating subject. I think it's one that we can't dismiss. And I think it's nice to talk about it just to even just to spark people's interest in, in cellular memory. And yeah. it's worth yeah. checking out. There's lots of articles out there. There's a few scientific articles out there as well. I was reading one yesterday about heart transplants. I'm trying to think. I'll put the uh, link on uh, on the podcast, but there's actually a, a really good scientific paper from America, how it could happen and why it seems ridiculous. And they claim that there's actually 15% of heart transplants that believe that they've had personality changes. Yeah. I think but it, as you say, it could be they've got a new lease of life, they want to do new things, but also as well as maybe it is a bit of cellular memory. Yeah, I think I was just using that sort of thing, you know, because people will, that's something that I think people will naturally say, oh, it's because they've got the new lease of life, you're going to live more. You've got to um, question it, yeah. You have to, yeah, but I think, you know, the UK in general lags well and truly behind the USA, you know, in the fact is, let's investigate this, let's have a look at this. You know, people in the, uh, in the UK, and I'm not having a go at UK science, they just seem this, I think it's what's keeping this in a pseudoscience, you know, rather than thinking, well, it merits further investigation, the same as the near-death experiences, you know, the Hindu belief of reincarnation, you know, they, that is the way that they find the new Dalai Lama, by looking at a past life, and he can sort of come through and say, yeah, that's mine, I don't know that one, that is this, and they have that memory again of what it is that they used to do as the uh, Dalai Lama, so, you know, when you when you're looking at that it needs further research definitely yeah i totally agree totally agree so that was our talking point we wanted to have a chat today about cellular memory something a little bit different from mediumship and psychic ability hope you all enjoyed it and if you've got if you want to leave us some comments drop uh, us an yeah. email just a your question just a comment martin if i you may yeah um, anybody listen to this has, has had this type of thing happen you know where they've had an organ and suddenly personality or there they have personality changes it'd be nice to hear from you and i just wonder if you have an organ that's from a medium would it sort of help your person to be you know sort of having glimpses or may it might open their sort of consciousness to to want to look into mediumship more i wonder yeah Good question. Let us know, people. Know what you think. It'd be interesting to find out how many of you out there are either believe in this or think that they've had this experience themselves in any particular aspect. So I hope we, you've enjoyed it, everybody. Great to talk to you again, Ian. And, yes, uh, bye, bye, Martin. Thank you. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye.